listening to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. It's a sobering and difficult thing to do. So we did not feel equipped (laughs) at all for those kinds of decisions. However, we know and we know now God was and He is equipped. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode. You know, we have something new that we're doing this summer at Rising Above that I cannot wait to tell you about. I'm going to be hosting a virtual summer book club for moms starting in June. We have three different books picked out that we will be reading over the summer, and we will meet once a month via Zoom to discuss that month's book. So for the month of June, we're going to be reading a classic called Hind's Feet on High Places. Now, this book made such an impact on my life, and I cannot wait for us to read it and discuss it together. In July, we'll be reading the Christian fiction book, The Edge of Belonging by Amanda Cox. Now, this book was the 2021 Book of the Year for the Christie Awards. And in August, our book will be another Christian fiction book called If I Were You, by Lynn Austin. Now you can sign up to be part of one of the book club meetings or all three, just depending on whatever works best for you. And this is going to be such a fun way for us to connect over the summer. And you can find out more information on how you can sign up in the show notes. My guest today is Julie Meekins, and Julie has been married to her husband, Tom, for close to 44 years. She has four adult children and several grandchildren. Her youngest daughter, Amy, was born with CHARGE syndrome, and Julie is the co-director of Champions for Parents, which is a ministry dedicated to advocating for individuals with disabilities by coming alongside parents with love and support. I know you will enjoy getting to meet Julie and hearing more about her family. So here's the conversation I had with Julie Minkins. Hey, Julie, thanks so much for being on the show today. I am excited to get to have this conversation with you. I've been looking forward to this, Becky. Well, it's so neat because I really didn't know you all that well, but I've seen you at two different conferences just in the last couple of months and met you and met your family there. And so um, that's why I was like, we need to have Julie on the show and let her tell us about her family and your sweet daughter. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your willingness to come and do this. And and I know you are a mom and a grandmother, but you came into the disability space through your daughter, Amy. So tell us about that journey and tell us a little bit about Amy. Yes, indeed. Oh, Amy, she is such a joy. She really is. She's the fourth of our four children. So she's the baby. She's 28 years old, but she looks like she's 12. And that is the bane of her existence right now because she wants to look older. I keep telling her you will be really happy about that Mm -hmm. one day, but that's not now. (laughs) So um, she made her debut as an inspirational speaker with one of those conferences that we saw you at. And um, she just, she just did it. And it was amazing to watch. Um, she's an author. She wrote a devotional book a couple of years ago. That's what we did with our COVID year. And it was a phenomenal time for the three of us sitting at the dining room table, spending time writing that. Well, she wrote the book. We were just putting all the pieces of it mm-hmm. together. Um, it was, a, it's a devotional book. It's called Heart Recharge and she loves to make videos. So that's what kind of makes her day. And she just sent out her first 
newsletter to the people that signed her clipboard at the conference Aww. saying they wanted more information about her as a as an inspirational speaker. So it's pretty phenomenal. That is so great. Well, I know that she has a syndrome that actually I'm not that familiar with. I've, I've heard of it, but uh, I believe Amy is the first person I actually have known in person who, who has the syndrome. So tell us a little bit about it and the name and how it impacts her daily life. Yes. Yes. So CHARGE syndrome is an acronym and each one of the letters stands for a different anomaly that they could possibly have. And then there's a slew of other stuff that goes with it, as is the case with most mm-hmm. most of the syndromes that are out there. So her prognosis, and we found this out when she was two weeks old, just before she came home from the NICU. And this was the prognosis. She would be blind and deaf. Back then we said mentally retarded. Mm-hmm. And probably would not walk, talk, or eat by mouth. So that was a pretty bleak prognosis. Mm -hmm. And her siblings are two, four, and six years older than her. So that was quite a take your breath away Mm -hmm. kind of statement that the doctor made to me. And I was alone that day visiting her. So, yeah. And so how did that impact you? You've got three other children at home, young children at home. You've been in the NICU with your newborn baby. And I mean, did you, did you know prior to birth that this was going to be part of her story or was it at birth or shortly after birth that you found out? We had no clue. Okay. I went into labor a month early. So there was a little bit of concern there. Um, The pregnancy that I had before her was our son, Josh, and I was put on bed rest at 26 weeks with him because of leaking amniotic fluid. But this pregnancy, although I was getting older, I was 36, I was getting a little older, and so it was a little bit tougher on the body. Um, Otherwise, we didn't have any indication that there was a problem until she was born, and she was born not breathing. Mm. So that was the first indication that there was a problem. And then, you know, from there, they... We had the blessing, though, of a big teaching hospital in Baltimore. Uh, Amy was born in Annapolis, Maryland, and this geneticist who happened to be friend of the doctor, of the NICU doctor, uh, came down when she was two days old to give the diagnosis of CHARGE syndrome. Mm. And it's very difficult to get that, well, at least back in the day, 28 years ago, it was hard to get that diagnosis because not a lot of people knew about CHARGE. Back mm-hmm. then, it was just an association. It wasn't a, a full-on syndrome. Um, but since then, they have found a gene and isolated it and realized that, okay, this is a syndrome. Mm. So, um, but back then not a lot of people knew about it because there were so many, um, similar things for, you know, that, that they would find with lots of other Mm -hmm. diagnoses. So they didn't know to put it together yet. Well, and back then, you know, my son's 25 and back then we didn't have the internet that we could run to when, which I think in a lot of ways is almost a blessing, Yes. Um, you want the information, but then sometimes you get way more information than what you really, really need. And so, you know, but it wasn't like you could go to Google and, and do a Google search for what this is. So what did you do? How did you learn more about it? How did it impact you, you know, as you're looking at your daughter and then plus your other three children that you had at home? Yeah. So, um, it, it was a, the hard, the hardest part of the journey was the first six weeks of her life. She was two weeks in the NICU and then she came home, but she was a child that couldn't be fed through her mouth. Mm-hmm. She had to be fed through her nose at that time. It was nasal gastric at that point. 
And I had to do it every two hours and it took an hour to feed her because she had severe esophageal reflux. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that was really killing her. She had a lot of pain. She was writhe in pain. And that's the worst thing. Yeah, It makes me cry every time I Mm -hmm. think about it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the worst thing to see your child in pain Mm -hmm. and not be able to do a thing about it. You know, and she was not comforted by touch. She was actually offended by touch at that Mm -hmm. particular time. She's a completely different person now in that regard because she loves her hugs and deep pressure. Um, But she had an apnea monitor and it would go off all the time. So this entire process was extremely, and not Amy, the process was extremely invasive to family life, Mm -hmm. you know, with two, four and six-year-old kids and an apnea monitor that's super loud and waking everybody up all the time. It was a little crazy. We did have a lot of support from our church at the time in terms of meals and childcare. So that was a huge blessing for us, but Amy was um, also at risk for sudden infant death syndrome. Mm. So she was followed very closely by the SIDS Institute at the University of Maryland Medical Center in Baltimore. And um, we almost lost her when she was six weeks old. So they had made a determination because of her problems with the esophageal reflux and everything going into her lungs. And that was the reason why we had to feed her through her through a tube in her nose and make sure that it went in her stomach and not in her lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the problem was um, they wanted to, not the problem, but the, uh, another solution, another step in her development that they wanted to help us with was let's get the tube out of her nose and into her stomach and make it a lot easier for everybody. Go yeah. directly to the stomach. So we had a surgery that was scheduled for her on a Wednesday, but the Friday before she was, um, she went to the hospital for pre-opt work because that's what you do. And while we were there, she just got worse and worse Mm. and worse. And she was having follow-up with like five different doctors. And, but finally one, it was actually an intern who's a resident, a resident who said, I really don't like the way this baby looks. I think we need to do more for her right now. Mm. And I knew that. And the, and the monitor that she was normally hooked up to at the time Uh, It wasn't a digital kind of thing, you know, like you would have these days. And so the monitor was actually at the SIDS Institute. They were reading the information that was coming out of the out of the machine and um, recording all of that. And so we didn't know in real time, you know, what was going on Mm. as far as her breathing. But we could tell. I mean, she was very gray and dusky and it was very scary. So this we remember this forever. It was our 16th wedding anniversary. And they decided that they were going to send her through the pediatric emergency room to see if, if she needed to be admitted. And it was a good thing they did wow. because she she really was gone from us for about yeah. 20 minutes before she pinked back up again. Uh, it was a scary, scary time. But, yeah. um, but uh, so that was Friday. They kept her there, of course. And then they did the surgery on Wednesday. And it was like night and day. Wow. She was saved by that surgery, mm-hmm. of course, by the Lord. But she was saved by the hands that God decided to use. He put the G-tube in. But the thing that saved her was something called a Nissen fund application, where they tied off that reflux mm-hmm. opportunity. So then she didn't have reflux anymore. And it wasn't going into her lungs. Mm-hmm. So that was helpful. She still had to be tube fed because yeah. if you put anything in her mouth, it still would go into her stomach. So, I mean, it wouldn't go into her stomach. It would go into her lungs, but we were on our way at yeah. that point. 
we were like all breathing a lot better and the machine was not going to come home with us. And we were all really happy about that machine. And, and, you know, we were grateful that we had it. It was an important thing, right? but man, it really did mess up family life. Well, and it just, you're on pins and needles the whole time. It's just that that every time, you know, I know every time we've been in the hospital and you hear the beeps of the machines or when the IV machine, you know, goes off and just what that, that trigger, you know, that, that sound will just set you off. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that, you know, when those monitors are going off and, and what that does to you. And so to not have that, you know, you'd had that first, you know, for all those weeks and then to not have that, what a relief, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Cause it's a trauma response. And yes. I think that you still feel it years later. I mean, you sometimes do. I can even get those same feelings when I hear that sound, you know, yes. anywhere, wherever, whatever it's coming from, it yes. doesn't matter, you know, but we do have mm-hmm. those trauma responses. Yeah, we do. And, um, you know, I, like you talked about her speaking at this conference here, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And you know, I've gotten to meet Amy a couple of times now, and she is just a joy and a delight. And, you know, you think back to that early diagnosis when they told you the prognosis of all the things she would not be able to do. And I'm sure that just impacted your mama's heart in such a deep way. But then you look at her now, and she is bubbly and fun and joyful. And so, Tell us about Amy now and how she has just overcome all those things that they said she was not going to be able to do. Oh, my goodness. Every single day of her life, she surprises us every single day. And she's 28 years old. So we've had a real fun ride Mm -hmm. with regard to that. Um, She just, the things that she loves the most is to be able to be in front of a microphone. And so that's why she shines, you know, in in settings like we had at the conference, you know, she just shines when she gets to, so she makes her own videos and she has a YouTube channel and it's quite entertaining. Sometimes she's a little serious with maybe a devotional or something, but a lot of the times she's just doing goofy stuff that is really quite entertaining, quick and fun. She, um, she loves the Lord with all of her heart, mind, soul, and strength. This girl, she's walking around keeping Tom, my husband, and I, um, we're the only ones who live in the same house now, and uh, our other three are out of the house, but uh, she keeps us on our toes. We yeah. just, you know, we have to toe the line because Amy's here and she's going to tell us, you know, no, you think that's a good idea? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we appreciate that so much. And uh, so one of the things that, one of the struggles that she has is, when people treat her like a child, because she mm, looks like a child. Yeah, yeah. And when people talk to her, you know, and trying to help her understand that it's not their fault, because what they see mm-hmm. is someone who looks like a child. And why wouldn't you respond that way? So it is up to you and it is up to us when we're with you to get that elephant out of the room right away. Mm-hmm. And so we always, uh, we talk about this, we, we role play it and everything else. And and so we like to say, you know, my name is Amy and um, I know I look like I'm 12, but I'm really 28. And so if you say that right away, right. you got to give people a little moment mm-hmm. <laughs> to really process that right. fact, right? And then you're on your way. And then yeah. people will talk to you, like talk to her like an adult. And that really makes a huge difference for her. That's so great. So, yeah. Her biggest disability now, even though with CHARD syndrome, there's a lot of different things. Um, she's just learned how to to cope with them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her biggest disability, the one that, that frustrates her the most is her hearing loss mm. because she wants to engage with people. 
and she can't always hear what they're saying. And if people mumble, she can't use the added benefit of reading lips, Mm -hmm. you know, if they don't open their mouths. And so she doesn't like to put herself in settings where there's a potential for her to hurt someone's feelings because she can't understand them. Mm -hmm. That's her sweetheartness about her. Um, So that's really her. She'll say that's her only disability, Mm -hmm. which I think is marvelous, you know, but that is her hardest. That that's what makes a day hard when, because she Uh only has hearing in one ear and it is a pretty significant loss. So she's got a hearing aid. And when you know it, the last two times that we've been out of town, the thing died. Mm. And so, you know, so we're learning and she's learning, especially how do you deal with that and still do life? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you keep going on yeah. right after she did her little Ted type talk um, at the last conference, it went out. And then the next morning we were supposed to do, and we did a, um, a breakout together, the three mm-hmm. of us. And so we're like, okay, what are we going to do overnight? How are we going to work this out? But Tom, her, her daddy remembered to bring, uh, the old, old hearing aid that we had as a backup. And so he just rigged it in some kind of way so that she could have some hearing, but that's our biggest frustration yeah, right now. Right. It's the hearing loss. And, you know, I know, she has overcome so many things. And so how have you seen that in her life? I mean, all the challenges and the things, all the things the doctor said that she mm-hmm. was not going to be able to do. How have you seen her just like shine and overcome those labels that were that were given early on? Right. Yeah. Well, the first thing we knew is to look in her eyes. Her eyes have always been shining with and full of life. And so, you know, they say the eyes are the windows into the soul. We saw that with our Amy before she would, she could talk and before she could walk and before she could do all those things that they said that she couldn't do. Mm-hmm. We were just hanging on to that personality and just treating her like, you know, her siblings. And of course she had three older siblings and she's a determined little person and she is, and she was then and she is now, and she was going to get what she wanted to get and she wanted what she wanted to do. So she wanted to be with her siblings. She wanted to do everything that they were doing. And I really think that was probably the best motivation mm-hmm. for her than anything else. But we did do a neurodevelopmental program with her on a daily basis. So we basically brought in all of the OT and the PT and the, any other kind of T that you can think right. of and put it into a program and did that for her personally. The whole family got involved. The, the, her siblings, even the brother who was just two years older than her, you know, did all kinds of ways to help her in her development. And she will tell you now, often she will tell you, if it hadn't been for my family, I would mm. not be who I am yeah. today. But she'll say God first and then she'll, and say, she'll say my family, family and- which is precious. And it's so sweet. And so what, you know, what a testament to, to you and her siblings that everybody just came alongside and rallied and, and got behind her and and made a difference in her life. And, yeah. you know, I know so, so many times people will look at our families and they maybe judge us or maybe they just, they don't quite get us and maybe say things that are hurtful or, you know, just, they just don't, you know, it's hard. If you don't walk this walk, if you don't live this life, you know, we can't expect other people to get it and understand. But have you had a time when maybe somebody just really got it and and saw her for how God created her so beautifully? Yes. And I will tell you, really, the most of that has happened in the last nine years. Mm. We moved away from Maryland. We moved to Virginia. And we, we, you know, when you move to a different town, you're looking for a church. 
So we're looking for a church. And the first two that we visited, she just cried. And we always have to sit in the front row because she wants to make sure she doesn't miss anything. And so we're sitting in the front row and tears are rolling down her face. And she's saying, this is not it. This is not it for Mm. both of those churches. Mm. And so Tom and I are at a loss. We're like, well, of course, you know, in in central Virginia, there's like 400 churches. So you, you do have some choices. But she, uh, so we visited the church that we're going to now the first day. And she just said, this is it. Mm. And it's loud and it's big and everything about it is over the top. And Tom and I are looking at each other like, okay, then if this is it, then this is it. And we will, we will adjust. So, so having said that, um, it was when she wanted to serve, you know, how hard it is for our kids to get an opportunity Mm -hmm. to serve in churches. And she wanted to serve. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, what on earth can we have Amy do? Um, and, and so she said, I want to greet people at the front, at the front doors. We're like, okay. So we went to the pastor in charge of hospitality and greeting. And she walked up to him and she said, I would like to serve by greeting. And he said, absolutely. And we just about fainted because Mm -hmm. we had never had that experience Mm -hmm. before. I wanted to cry my eyes out on the spot mm. because all he said was absolutely. And he didn't know her. He he could tell that she has special needs. You can tell when you look at her, but it didn't matter because yeah. he was like, "This we're going to make this happen. Mm. And that was his first reaction, yeah. which was such a shock and a wonderful shock. And then the VBS drama staff finds acting roles for her mm. every VBS because we have our little stories that the kids yes. come to yeah. and they find a role for her every summer. And often mom gets drug along too. <laughs> so I'm yeah. not the actress. She's the actress, but you know, I'm there in case she can't hear something, mm. you know, and so she can get all the information and it's wonderful. Do, don't our kids get us outside of our comfort yes, zone? Yes, very much so. Yes. <laughs> Around yes. every corner they do that. Yes. And then the director of our church's huge Christmas production. It's called the Virginia Christmas Spectacular. People come from neighboring states, you know, lots of people come to see this. They always find a place for her so in that amazing. production. And that and she ropes her dad into that one. So it's, I do VBS with her and he does, he does that. VCS, Virginia Christmas Spectacular with her. So, and then, you know, when people who run their own ministries, like we're doing right now, interview and and offer an opportunity for Amy to interview. Mm -hmm. That has really been a huge boost in her validation for herself. Yeah. And, you know, you mean I have something to offer to Mm. you, you you know, and she loves being the center of attention. So that is not a problem for her at all. So, and then, you know, just every time someone buys her devotional book, Mm. That's the other thing that just yeah. just really excites her and mm-hmm. excites us. So God is doing a thing with yeah. her. And it's so amazing because your church sees her, sees her value, sees her worth, and is putting her in front of other people. Then what message is that sharing? You know, that yeah. the message that our kids are loved and valued and they have a purpose and a plan. And so yeah. I love that your church um, is making a way for her to... Uh, to be a part and to, to, to making sure that every time they're doing something that she's included. And that is beautiful. It's huge. And I I have to share with you another testimony of another child who has now gone to be with the Lord. He was actually in his uh, thirties and forties. Our pastor, Jonathan Falwell has been the biggest blessing to these people with disabilities in our church. It is coming from the top because he Mm. will seek them out 
He will get to know them. So Benji was, he, he had Down syndrome and delightful man, loved the Lord. Um, there was a Bible verse on his lips every single minute mm. of the day. And, and he loved people and loved country music and just knew everything about it. Well, there was a man who came up. Benji loved sitting near the pastor, okay, in, in his seat before he would go up to preach. And um, he sits down with the congregation. And um, so Benji would sit near him. And some man, <laughs> we, I don't know who this man was, but came up to Benji one day and said, you know, I think you might be distracting the pastor. Would oh, you mind word. sitting back here? And made him sit in the back. Well, Benji's mm-hmm. a humble man. And so he's like, sure, that's what I'll do. And he sat in the back. And and pastor noticed that he wasn't sitting where he normally sits. And he's like, where's Benji? So he saw him at another time. And he said, Benji, how come you're not coming to church? And he said, oh, pastor, I'm there every single Sunday. And he's like, well, then where are you? And he said, well, somebody told me I needed to sit away from you because I was distracting you. Mm. That broke our pastor's heart. Mm. And he said, oh, no. He said, no, Benji, you come up here and this is your seat right here. This is your seat. Mm. I want you near me. And he gives Amy a hug every single time he sees her. Mm. And she's just she just yeah. adores her pastor yeah. for that reason. And so, like you said, it started I, at the top. You know, it started it, at the top. Yes. You know, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So beautiful. Well, I know I read on your website, um, you know, you have Amy and, and the challenges that she faces. But then shortly after her birth, you found out about your son, Joshua, having some yes. issues as well. So tell us about that and how that's impacted his story. Yes. OK, so I had a conversation with the Lord about that. And I said, <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm good with one. I really am. You know, I'm okay. I've never complained. You know, I've never asked the why question because I know your purposes are greater than my purposes, right? And even though I'm saying that, I'm not believing that because Joshua is having struggles and obviously God is sovereign and he is, this is happening under his sovereignty, right? But I did have to have that conversation and I was like, I like this idea. But um, so, his behavior struggles started soon after Amy was born, but it had nothing to do with Amy. He loved his sister. He was not intimidated by her. He was not um, feeling like his his uh, attention wasn't happening because, you know, he had a baby in the house with special needs. You know, there was some of that going on, but he had two older sisters and they were taking care of him and it wasn't a problem. Um, but, and this was the son that I went to bed rest at 26 weeks mm. and I had a one-year-old and a two-year-old at the time that I went to bed rest uh, at 26, wow. two-year-old and a three-year-old, sorry. And uh, I had to be in, in on bed rest for 10 weeks. That's a very hard thing to do. with. Yeah. Two, and this, this was after nine years of infertility. Mm. All I wanted was to take care of my babies because mm-hmm. I had waited a long time for my babies. And I was so excited to have them. But Um, but it was, it was very important for me to stay. But at 36 weeks, I said to my doctor who happened to be a a wonderful man of God and who, um, did home visits because he didn't want me to get out of bed and he knew how stubborn I was. So he, um, but I said to him at 36 weeks, I'm done. If the baby's born now, the baby's born now. Mm -hmm. My girls need me. I'm sorry. I can't be in bed anymore. But it became apparent over the years that Josh's behavior was in direct relation to his immune system, Mm. his immune system being shot. Now, was that had to do, did that have to do with amniotic fluid leaking? I don't know. I don't know if there was an assault in there that did something to his immune system. I don't know. But he was allergic basically to everything that grew outside 
molds and just about everything you put in your mouth. Wow. It was pitiful how much he was allergic to. You know, we did those little caterpillar tests that you do. And I don't even know if they do those anymore, but that's what they did to determine his um, allergies. And we walked out of the office one time, the allergist office, and he said, well, he can safely eat sugar and cheese. Oh my. Wow. (laughs) And of course he can't live on sugar and cheese. So, you know, fast forward years of supplements and eliminating certain foods and then reintroducing them. And we did some neurodevelopmental intervention for him too, because um, he didn't learn to read until he was five. I homeschooled him. So that was helpful. Um, So I just taught him everything by reading everything to him, but he has dyslexia and dysgraphia. So all of that was going on. But now let me tell you about Josh now. This is such such a cool story. Amy has her story. Josh has his story. He now has a beautiful wife and three little boys, Mm. works full time for Liberty University and is what they what they now call an influencer. I'm learning. He's an influencer. So he has two hundred and twenty seven thousand followers on Facebook. Wow. For a garden that he is growing. Okay. It's called the garden is growing. Wow. And those posts that he makes, he's just a natural. He's always been an entrepreneur personality. Mm-hmm. And so this is how he is living his dream. So he's got basically two full-time jobs and a full family. So wow. the man is incredible, but he loves the Lord. He loves his family and he is an amazing son. Wow. And so I know, you know, out of your journey, you had Amy with her challenges. You had Joshua with his challenges. You and your husband decided to start something called Champions for Parents. So tell us about Champions for Parents. Okay. So Champions for Parents was started. Actually, the first name was March 4th Family. And that was to teach families, to teach parents how to do the neurodevelopmental program that we did for our children because it was so phenomenal for their development. So that's how we started out. It was a business. But you know how people are sometimes when they really want to love on people, um, you tend to give everything away. Right, right, right. <laughs> so then we had a failed business and somebody called called us on that and said, you are not a business, you are a ministry. Mm. And we're like, oh, is that what's going on here? So we're a ministry. And so then the ministry began to shift. We, we got away from it being a business where we taught families how to, where we evaluated children and then had parents do the program with their children. And instead we moved into how do we love parents? That's mm-hmm. really what we wanted to do from the beginning. Yeah. How do we love on parents? So we, we see a great need for individuals with disabilities for parents and caregivers, and those who serve them in churches to come together in community. So that's Mm -hmm. really where we've morphed to. Mm -hmm. And that's really, uh, because there's a lot of disconnect between these three perspectives. Right. You know, the individuals who have the disability, the parents and the caregivers who are taking care of them, and then the people who are in ministry wanting to serve them. Mm -hmm. And so we offer all kinds of things that we can think of to offer coaching, Um, and support to parents and caregivers and ministry folks. Um, Because really you're serving the parents when you're serving the ministry folks. Right. Because then there's a place for their children in church. So we, you know, provide all kinds of services in order to just love on those parents Mm -hmm. and help ministry people know how to do the job that they want to do. And so what are some practical things that you tell people 
um, of ways that they, you know, the church or for families to find that community? What are some of the practical things that you tell them? Well, we say that um, community is everything Mm -hmm. because we didn't have the kind of community. Let me put it this way. When Amy was first born, we were in a groove with friends and, and church people and we were serving. And then Amy was born and pretty much all of it stopped Mm -hmm. because first of all, because of Amy's needs. And then after that, when we were ready to get back into the groove, there was not a place for us. Mm -hmm. All of the places that we had served were already being served by someone else and they couldn't find a place for us to get back in. And there was a lot of, there was a world of hurt. So we say find community and, and really you guys at rising above do an amazing Mm -hmm. job at that, because I know you have the same heart that I do Mm -hmm. and that you don't want anyone out there feeling alone in this process. Right. And you know, in community, you get resources, right? You you get information, Mm -hmm. you get support, you get love. There's so many pieces to the puzzle. And so I think that's the the main thing we want to, we want to tell people, you know, get community, um, seek out people who've kind of been a little bit further along in your journey Mm -hmm. so that you can, they can give you perspective. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we don't have perspective when we're trying mm-hmm. to pave the way. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, every single family that has a child with a disability is a pioneer. There's right. no question about it because yeah. you are paving the way for your family. And it's extremely re- unique to the next family. But there are some similarities. Mm-hmm. And so you can come together and really support one another with that. So I think community is the biggest thing. Um I think one of the one of the questions um, that you had mentioned to me is, what kind of lessons have mm-hmm. I learned that might be helpful to someone else? Right. And uh, I want to kind of segue into that because I think that answers the same question that you just asked. Um, and one of the things that I want to share with moms and dads, always ask God. Sometimes in the middle of our crisis, we forget that right. because we're just, we're just done. You know, we're just exhausted. We're emotionally distraught, you know, all of those things. But when we stop and we ask God, that's what I want to help people to do. Yeah. I want to help them to ask God. So we had to make decisions for Amy and Josh's lives that were staggering. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you did too for mm-hmm. your son. And, you know, it, and we knew that it would impact them for the rest of their lives. That's a sobering yeah. and difficult thing to do. So we did not feel equipped mm-hmm. <laughs> at all for those kinds of decisions. However, we know and we know now God was and he is equipped. So mm-hmm. I learned to always ask. And then I like to say, see your kid as a child first. Mm-hmm. Not as the disability. Right. Sure, there's a million things that you have to think about, you know, the braces and the and the equipment that helps them breathe and everything else that you have to think about and the and the kinds of therapies that they need, but they they are not their disability. That's right. Right. I, right. And have fun with them. Mm-hmm. You know, having the three other children really helped a lot because they they demanded that we play with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that right. we were like, okay, if they want to play. Then Amy's going to want to play. So we're all going to play. And we played a lot. (laughs) So um, read to them a lot. Hug them as much as they let you. Now, Mm -hmm. some of our kids don't want to be hugged, so we have to work around that. But it's okay also to prioritize interventions. Mm. I think that we come, okay, so Amy, Tom, my husband would say that Amy, we could have a poster of Amy and every body part literally had a different doctor or therapist that needed to do something with it, right? Mm-hmm. 
And that's a little overwhelming for her little body and for us and for her siblings, because we're always gone to do those interventions. It's okay to prioritize them. Yeah. And then for this season, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And for this season, we're going to do this. And Mm -hmm. for this season, we're going to do this and not feel guilty about it because there's no way that you can't neglect the rest of the world Mm -hmm. if you do everything in some cases. Yeah. So, and then remember that there are other family members and love them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so hard because when you have multiple kids and you, you know, my son's an only child, so I don't live this, this is not part of my story, but I know from other parents, you know, you have your, your children who have special needs, you have your typical siblings and trying to navigate all the needs and all the things is such a challenge. And so it sounds like you guys have done a beautiful job of that though, on your journey and have just, um, raised amazing kids and that Amy is just thriving and doing so well. And so, you know, when you look back at your story, what are ways that you would say that you and your family, that you rise above your circumstances and you find joy in your story? Oh, I think the rising above the circumstances was, um, a goal really, you know, it really was. I mean, early on we were like, okay, this is it. This is what it is. What are we going to do about it? You know? And so early on it was like, okay, we got a lot of encouragement and support and love through Bible reading and Bible studies with other women. That really was a huge deal for me. And that, you know, because it gave me the understanding that there's a bigger world and a great purpose beyond my life. So if I'm so only ever thinking about myself and my life, and then you miss out on the joy of interacting with others and seeing what God is doing in their lives. I also learn over and over again that Jesus loves me Mm. because sometimes, you know, I just read a post. There's a, a pastor friend who wrote a post about being an autism dad. And one of the things he's struggling with is that he always has to prove himself Mm -hmm. as a father because people are always medical people sometimes and therapy people sometimes are criticizing the way that they're doing life with Mm -hmm. their child or saying it's not enough and you need to do more and more and Mm -hmm. more and more. And there is no way that you can do more and more and more and more. And, but I know when I read the Bible that Jesus loves me and When I'm having a moment of frustration and overwhelm and shut down, we all do Mm -hmm. from time to time. I know that Jesus loves me and he loves my husband and he loves my children even more than Mm -hmm. I do. It's not all up to me. I think as women in particular, Mm -hmm. we always feel like it's up to us to get everything accomplished, right? And, And to care about. And then encourage and validate others in your life. Mm -hmm. Because when we encourage others, we get encouraged too. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that focus, that focus outward Mm -hmm. is really important. We had a a lady, a wonderful friend, um, when Amy was born, she had three boys and one of her boys had achondroplasia, little people syndrome. And he had a lot, a lot of medical needs, a lot of, he was in the pain a lot. He was their middle child, but she didn't have any girls and she's a girl, girl. And very girly girl. And so she's like, I'm going to love on your baby girl, Amy. She bought her, (laughs) she basically bought her wardrobe for the first year. All kinds of stuff that we never could afford. Mm, (laughs) It was just amazing. It was just the sweetest thing. But one of the the lessons that she taught me was serve somebody, serve Mm -hmm. somebody outside your realm of perspective. Yeah. Because when you do that, 
it makes all the difference in the world. And then I think the last thing for all of us is to do purposeful work, Mm -hmm. do purposeful work. And for me, that is Champions for Parents. Yeah. So great. What great counsel. And, and I couldn't agree more when you, you know, when we give back, it's truly for ourselves. It just fills our tank as well. And so Julie, thank you so much for sharing part of your journey with us and sharing about your beautiful daughter. And I know people will go and check out her YouTube channel and we'll be sure to include a link so people can find all of your information uh, about what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Becky. And we just love Rising Above and we love all that you're doing over there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson, created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story.